All right, you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2, verse 1 through 9, and the message entitled, The Sins of the Priest. Malachi was God's messenger to proclaim repentance to a rebellious, sinful people, or God was going to judge them, and he did. But for the priests, God had a stern judgment, a more stern judgment, really, because they had greater knowledge and privilege. Therefore, the greater responsibility and accountability to God was theirs. Those, to those who much is given, much more is required as a simple principle of scriptures, you know, in, chapter, in uh, the New Testament. Now, the confrontation of the defiled priest really begins in chapter 1, verse 6, and goes all the way to chapter 2, verse 9. But we want to look at God's proclamation of judgment over the priest here in verse 1 through 9 of chapter 2, which is characterized by three things. Let me read our text. And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear and if you will not take uh, it to heart to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have cursed them already because you do not take it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuse on their faces, the refuge of your solemn feast, and one will take you away with it. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with you, one of life and peace, and I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was um, reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and turned many away from iniquity. For the lips of the priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people because you have not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. And so God's proclamation of judgment over the priests is characterized by the following. First, the curse of God against Israel, verse 1 through 4. Second, we have the covenant of God with Israel. Verse 5 through 7. And then thirdly, the condemnation of God of the priests in verse 8 through 9. So the curse of God against the priests, the covenant of God with the priests, and the condemnation of God with the priests. Let's begin here with the curse of God against the priests, verse 1 through 4. Notice um, the first two verses, God speaks through Malachi, addressing the priests directly. He says, And now, O priests, This commandment is for you. The high priest was the line of Aaron, as you know. His sons, Nadab, Abihu, uh, Ithamar, and Eliezer. Nadab and Abihu were consumed in the first offered sacrifice of fire. They drank a little Boone's Farm, and uh, God barbecued them. Leviticus 10.1. And God makes this very clear in Leviticus uh, 10.9 when he says, When you guys come in and serve me, make sure you don't drink any intoxicating drink. Very, very clear. Now, I don't know what the emergent people do with this, but we'll just leave it there. Um, 
The Levites had three families, as you know, distinct roles and duties they have for the tabernacle, the Kohathites, the Gershonites, and the Merites. And each one had, either they broke down the camp, covered the furnishings, and picked up certain things. They had all different things. Now, God's command was against the rebellious disobedience. Listen to his words. If you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart, underline those things, hear and heart. The phrase to not hear refers to the outward actions, a refusal to listen and obey. You know what I'm talking about if you're a parent. Okay? We don't need an exposition on this. Simple. The outward actions. God is seeking and desiring repentance. He makes this clear. 2.16.3.7.3.16.4.2. Repentance, repentance, repentance. This is the heart of God. Not judgment. The phrase, uh, not take it to heart, refers to the inner attitude, the hard heart. Not taking his warnings of judgment seriously. Like saying, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, I understand. I hear, I hear. But once again, if you're a parent, you know what God's talking about. Notice God summarizes all their outward actions and their inner rebellious heart to one thing. Ready for it? To give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts. Dishonor, disrespect. The first chapter reveals their rebellious um, ingratitude. From verse 6 to 14, we'll get more into it tonight. But just to point some things in verse verse 6 of chapter 1, they had no reverence for God. Verse 7 through 8 and 14, they were offering the defiled, the blind, the lame to God. In verse 9 and 10, they were going through religious rituals and motions and God told them, you know, it'd be better if you guys don't even open the doors, don't even come in at all. In verse 12 through 13, they profane God's name by saying the table of the Lord was contemptible and wearisome to serve him. Yeah, God's so lucky that we serve him, right? Wow. 11 and 14, God declared his name would be great among the Gentile nations and certainly he's speaking about not only in future but the ultimate millennial kingdom here. Um, Notice at the end of 2, the prophet Malachi declared the extent of the curse here, including verse 3. At the end of 2, God pronounced a curse on their blessing, knowing they would not repent. God knows the end from the beginning. Then why does God do it? Because he wants you to know that he doesn't bring judgment without warning. So that every person is free will and they're responsible for their own judgment or their own actions. Either way. The curse is by divine authority. I will send a curse upon you. I will, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. I will, the covenant God of Israel, Yahweh. I will, the father of the nations, according to chapter 1, verse 6. If I'm your father, where's my honor? Notice the curse would be nullified. I'm, I'm sorry, the curse would nullify the blessings of the priests, meaning the benefits to them, and I will curse your blessings. The priests presented the people to God, as you know, in the offerings, and God to the people as they proclaimed the blessings of God, much like Aaron the high priest. The blessings of the priests would be reversed now by God on the people for being one with the sins of the priest, like pastor, like sheep. Like priest, like prophet. 
And my people love it so the scriptures declare. Wow. The word curse simply means judgment. That's all it's talking about. It's not like a curse that somebody curses you for something. It's not talking about that. The curse was in effect already. In fact, listen to him. Yes, I have cursed them already. They had walked in disobedience and rebellion. They had been dishonorable and disrespectful. It's, it is one of the most sarcastic, disrespectful books in conversation. The curse, notice, had been executed for trying the patience of God arrogantly because you do not take it to heart. Once again, circle the word heart. The priest did not repent when God told them to. The priest added to their sins rather than repenting. The priest lost the fear of God and ignored the warnings of God. The two go together. The blessings and cursings go back to Deuteronomy 26, uh, 27 and 28, and Leviticus 26. Whenever he's talking about blessings and cursings, think of those three chapters. Deuteronomy 27, 28, and Leviticus 26, always. If you do this, I will bless you. If you do this, I will get you. Now, God can't lie, right? He told them straight out. Notice verse 3. God would reject their descendants who had followed their evil example. The confrontation, once again, um, comes from the divine authority. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants. I will rebuke the great I am who brought them out of Egypt. I will rebuke you, the one who knew everything, even their motives. Notice the castigation was severe and spread refuge on your faces. This is fecal matter. This is dung. As the internal organs and all that was removed from the sacrifice and carried outside the camp and buried. Exodus 29, 11, Leviticus 4, 12 and others. Now he says, I will take that stuff and rub it in your face. This was a way of confirming their unholiness and defilement. This would not hinder them from approaching God. They were already in this condition. The corruption was intolerable. Listen, they refused uh, the, ref the refuge of your solemn feast. Notice that. God calls it your solemn feast. God was nowhere in view here any longer. It was just a religious ritual being more concerned with feeding their faces with that food. Oh, yeah, I like the feast. Oh, barbecue meat. We get that today. God's not even in it. Now, the same thing happened with corns, right? The communion table, they abused it. So God said, some of you are sick and some God is killed. Wow. They would be treated as filth. And one will take you away with it. God had rejected them as defiled priests in his camp. God had removed them from their high privilege. As they would remove all that filth and the inners and carry them outside the camp, he says, they're going to carry you just like that stuff. Wow. Look at verse 4. The prophet Malachi declared the purpose of the curse. God wanted the priest to know that it was he who had brought this curse. This was no coincidence. He tells them before it happens, so when it happens, they know he's God. Okay? Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment 
to you. The proclamation by Malachi was their final notice. God never judges before warning. Amos 3, 4, remember? Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. The commandment is synonymous with the curse of verse 1 here. Judgment is called a strange work, a strange act by Isaiah. God would much rather forgive and bless, Isaiah 28, 21. When God brings judgment, that's a strange work, that's a strange act. His norm, his nature is to forgive and to reconcile. Conditions repentance. Notice God was giving some priests a chance to repent. That my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. For the covenant to continue, some priests had to repent. God will not compromise his holiness. The priesthood was only temporary, looking for the fulfillment in Jesus Christ, the ultimate Melchizedek priesthood, Hebrews chapter 8, 9, and 10. This would include all the various groups of the Levites, the Merarites, the Gershonites, the Kohathites, the high priests of the family of Aaron. As you know, the name Levi means joint to. They were not joined to God any longer. God had separated them now, the judgment And the authority, again, is divine and supreme. The Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, the covenant of God, Yahweh. So he has all the authority to confront them completely. You know, compromise and corruption is like that frog in the kettle. You know, the frog sits in that pot as the heat just is turned up slowly. And it stops licking us, starts licking us, chops, thinking, oh, man, dinner smells good. And doesn't know that he's dinner. He won't jump out of the pot. Because this heat just slowly, progressively comes up on him. This is what sin and compromise does, ladies and gentlemen. Many a men and women have sat where you sat in the last 37 years. A man sat in my office, looked me right in the face, says, I'm, I know I'm going to hell. I'm leaving my wife. I'm leaving my children. I'm moving in with my girlfriend. He used to serve here for years, faithfully. Wow, one step at a time. Never say never. The consequences for not paying heed to the message of repentance for 120 years by Noah was what? Judgment. They did not hear to take it to heart. Do you think 120 years is a little too short a time? Now, God knew they weren't going to repent. He could have brought judgment right away. Why didn't he? So that when you read, you realize that God's very, very patient, more patient than you. He did not give glory to the name of God. So God sent a curse upon them. What? The flood. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness or tardiness. But he is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This is the heart of God, ladies and gentlemen. You and I are the very evidence of that. The message of repentance is repugnant to the world and the church in our present day. Both. People are turning and trusting to themselves, being positive, and looking to their inner potential by not acknowledging sin, both secular and Christian, with all these self-help books and, and quote-quote Christian psychology and all this uh, motivational speaking. 
We are to preach the sinner's repentance from sin as John the Baptist did in Matthew 3, 2. Malachi, it's repent in view of sin, repent in view of the Lord's coming. Chapter 1 and 2, and then the second one, 3 and 4. 400 years of silence, Matthew opens up. John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of God's at hand. It's like there was never 400 years. The message is the same. You think we should change it now? The merchant church thinks we should. Wow. We're to restore believers who repent from their sin. And in the spirit of gentleness, Galatians 6.1 says, we're to rebuke believers who refused to repent after confronting them, and even if we excommunicate, if they kept coming, then I'm supposed to be open to rebuke them in the presence of all that others may fear. First Timothy 5.20. Now, I've never had to do that, but I'm supposed to be willing and obedient to the Lord if that happens. Wow. People are trusting in the ability of scientists and politicians to solve the major Problems of the world when many of them are the major culprits of the problems. People's hopes on them. Romans says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God and were unthankful, were not thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Romans 1, 20 through 22. This is the world at large, ladies and gentlemen. You and I used to be there. Fools. People want to coexist as citizens of the world without borders, morals, or objective truth, refusing to acknowledge the evil of man. I look at men, they, 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 they say that people are good, really. You ever seen some of these guys that don't have it all together up here and they're nature people and they're going to go hug a koala bear? And they get a shocker that tears them up? It's like hugging a terrorist. Oh, they're nice people. Yeah. Where's the evidence, ladies and gentlemen? The world has gone crazy. Jeremiah 79 says, The heart of man is deceitful above all things. Definitely wicked. Only God knows the true evil of it. Wow. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. 1 Thessalonians 5.3 What's the message today? Peace, peace, safety. We're all one. We're all this. Okay. Buckle up. Pucker up, buttercup. The world's delusional. This was the curse of God against the priests. They were delusional. Notice secondly, <clears throat> verse 5 through 7. The covenant of God with the priests. In verse 5, the prophet Malachi revealed the nature of the covenant with Levi. The tribe of Levi was chosen by God. My covenant was with him. There were 14 tribes altogether. The 12 sons of Jacob, the two sons of Joseph that were adopted by Jacob, Ephraim, and Manasseh. Joseph and Levi never received land, totaling only 12 tribes that received land. Okay? 
The tribe of Levi was redeemed for the service of God, if you remember, in the law. The Levites were not to be numbered in the census of the nation, for they were to serve in the priestly office and serve the tabernacle. In Numbers chapter 1, verse 47 through 43, the Levites were taken um, by God instead of the firstborn that he spared uh, in the nation of Israel as he killed the firstborn in Egypt. And so they did a census of the people. The Levite took the difference and purchased it with money and gave it to Aaron. And then God gave the Levites to Aaron to help him do the service in Numbers chapter 3 and in chapter 8. You can read all through there. Now, the covenant with Levi was given for the people of God to enjoy life. Listen to his words. One of life and peace. God is holy and can not be approached by sinful man. You know that. That's why he sent his son to die for us. God chose the token of atonement to be blood. Genesis 1.26, God killed an animal to clothe and to forgive Adam and Eve. Leviticus 17.11 says, I've given you the life of the flesh, it's in the blood, and I've given it to you for an atonement upon the altar. Blood. God accepted in faith the death of the animal as a substitute for that sinner as he lays his hand on his head, transferring his sins to him. God, through all the sacrifice, was indicating that they were types of the Lamb of God to come, his son, who would pay for the sins of the world. Everything was prophetic of Christ in the tabernacle. Sacrifices, furnishings, everything. You can look at the book of Hebrews. It is the Leviticus of the New Testament, the interpretation of the Old Testament Leviticus. God chose the Levites to be the go-betweens, if you will, the mediators for man to be chosen and sanctified by God, to live a pure life, to be able to approach God. This was God's doing, not man's. To offer up the sacrifice of the people to be in fellowship with God and to enjoy life um, with God and man. The vertical is the most important. If you're not right with God, the earthly relationships are not going to be well. Okay? The key is the vertical. The covenant of peace. Uh, we remember Phineas, the, who was zealous for God as the Midianitish women came in to show how they worshiped their gods through sexual rites. And one of the Israelis went in with her into the tent. And as they were uh, having sex, Phineas grabbed the javelin and went through and, and just thrust them both through. And God gave him this um, covenant of priests and priesthood forever and of peace there in Numbers um, chapter 25 verse 12 through 13 God wants you to live in peace God wants you to live but you can only do that if you walk with him you know Aaron the high priest would bless the people he says the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Number 6, 24 through 26. Notice the tribe of Levi was God-fearing. And I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. He gave the tribe of Levi to Aaron that they might fear God. The word fear means dread, terrified. The outcome was that Aaron had a good, healthy fear. Different word. It means to revere, respect, honor. The attitude of Aaron was one of 
revering the name of God. Again, the idea, respect and honor towards his name. Yahweh, the covenant God. Look at verse 6. The prophet Malachi then revealed their past obedience to the covenant by Levi. So, he takes kind of a, a look back. This is what you used to be. This is where you're at. This is where you used to be. Listen carefully. Love of truth came forth from his mouth to instruct. The law of truth was in his mouth to the people to live right with God, to the other priests to serve God. Unrighteousness was not found in his mouth and injustice was not found in his lips. Bringing forth righteous judgments for the people. Not being a person to show favor. Communion with God was his life. He walked with me in peace and equity. He walked in obedience. He walked in fellowship with God. Can two walk together except they be agreed? No, Amos 3.3. 3. So when they walk with God, they agreed with God. God did not agree with them. Calling the wayward back <clears throat> to God was their custom. Listen to his words. And turn many away from iniquity. He pointed out the error of sin in the life of people. Their need to repent. Today people get upset at that. They call you self-righteous. They call you a holy Joe or you're just self-righteous. No, this is the word of God. People are frogs in the kettle today. Rather than sheep, they're frogs. The word turn means to go back, which implies you've walked away from something. We'll see this very clear. He pointed them to God. For what? For forgiveness. That's what he used to do. That's what you and I do to people. We ask them to turn to God so God can forgive them and they can have life and peace. Look at 7. The prophet Malachi revealed the responsibility in the covenant of Levi. The priests were to, a, to be a reservoir of God's word. For the lips of the priest should keep knowledge to study and be faithful to the word of God. This is what's needed today so much and lacking in our pulpits. The word keep means to guard or to give heed. The word knowledge means perception, understanding of what it says and what it means. What it says is when I read it. I'm expounding, give you the meaning, that's the interpretation, what it means. And then I give you an illustration, shed it a light, and then I give you application, how it fits in your life. And I do the same thing every time I expound it. I am an expositor. I don't give you whipped cream. I tell you what I'm going to tell you. Then I tell you that I told you what I'm going to tell you. And then I told you that I told you what I told you I was going to tell you. I do those things every time I come before you. So I hold myself. I make myself accountable to you that I'm going to be able to wring this text out. We're going to stick to the text. We're going to find out what it means and how it applies to your life. I'm not here to entertain you or to make you feel good. I'm here to point you to God, that God would fix your messed up life like mine. Wow. Aren't you glad you came this morning? <laughs> and so, 
also to speak only according to the perception, the statutes, the ordinance, the judgments, the commandments. Nothing but the word. You don't have to. You don't take away from it. They were to carry out this faithfully. They were to carry these out without respect to person. You don't get intimidated. You don't compromise. It doesn't matter who's here, who's there. You preach the gospel. You give the word out. You don't let nobody change the message of the gospel. The word of God. Notice still in 7, the people were to have full confidence and trust in the priest to give them only the word of God. So they would, they would be able, they trust these people because that's all, they know, that's what I'm going to get. That's what I'm going to go, because I'm going to get the word of God. And people should seek the law from his mouth. The people were to depend on the priest for teaching the law, the Torah. They were to teach the law, as Leviticus 10, 11 said. The people were to abide by their decisions as Deuteronomy 17, 9 through 11 says. So whatever they said, this is what it means. This is what you have to do. They were to trust them because they were godly men, men of the, of the word. They studied. They, they didn't, you know, the problem is people, today's Christianity, the theology is out of contemporary little uh, motivational commentaries that twist the word of God. They don't even go to the scripture. They use it as a springboard to teach what they want. Wow. The people were to trust the priests in the interpretation of the law of the Torah. They were the scribes. They were the interpreters. The greatest miracle that I experience every week is to come forward before you in this pulpit and to proclaim God's word through a text for 37 years. Now, who is bold enough to say, I can do that? I've got it all together. The second greatest miracle is when I stick my head outside that door and I see you're still here, you keep coming. And I say that sincerely from my heart, both of those. When I used to sit in my office when I was first a young Christian, I used to look at the volumes, six volumes of a commentary of the Bible. I go, wow. Now I look at my own shelves of commentaries I've put and they've asked surpassed those. Who did it? God did it. I'm amazed. No one is more amazed at what's happened here in the last 37 years than me. No one's more shocked than I. It's due to God's word, nothing else, ladies and gentlemen, nothing else. The priests were the representatives of God, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. The priest of God was the, was there for the good of the people. A father, a mother is there for the family for the good of the children. A husband is there for the good of the wife. The wife is there for the good of the husband. The word messenger is the same root word for the name Malachi in chapter 1 verse 1. The same word is used for the coming of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the Messiah in chapter 3 verse 1. The priest of God was to speak for God to the people being called and prepared by God, being anointed and gifted and empowered by God. Today, people do whatever they want. They put together a corporation, they run the church like a CEO. God hasn't called them, God hasn't anointed them, and they're corrupting, deceiving the people of God today and people. I would not want to be those pastors or those CEOs Wow. The priest was a warrior on earth. 
of the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven, to be holy like his God, to protect and defend the word of God, to confront any disobedience and rebellion against the word of God. If God is the captain of the armies of heaven and the Levi was the person who was a go-between, then he was to be as fierce warrior as God when anything contradicted the word of God. Wow. D. L. Moody said, The world has not yet seen what man can do or, or what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I will be that man. But Moody really didn't say this. He got it from a man, Henry Varley, a British revivalist in 1873, but he made the same famous. <laughs> but what would happen if you and I yielded to God completely? I don't want to end up at the end of my life and say, man, I should have done it. I have to make that decision every day, ladies and gentlemen. Are you living by priorities? Are you being lulled, lulled to sleep by the music of the world? Are you being pulled away and distracted? Are you being uh, uh, tempted to say, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be so extreme. Maybe I should just go once in a while. Maybe I should just kind of, you know, be open to the philosophy of the world. Maybe I, maybe, maybe you're going to make a stupid decision. Satan's clever. Your flesh is brutal. Our flesh will just chew us up and spit us out. Today there is no so much error being taught over the pulpits of America, let alone heresy also. We have too many motivational speakers attempting to soothe the souls of people by positive stories and exhortations. The Word of God is used to motivate people to get healthy and wealthy. God help these pastors. So they want you to plant your seed faith in that ministry and you give a thousand and God will give you ten thousand and hucksters, deceivers. God help them on judgment day. There's a seeker-friendly emergent movement that is the parallel to the political correctness of the world. They don't want to hear God's word to see themselves for who they really are. They want to hear what they think they are. You see, when you come here or any church that teaches the word of God, you're saying, put up that Bible, put up that word, give me the word so that I can see in that mirror exactly what I am so I can fix what's wrong by looking to God. The new Christianity, the emergent church, and seeker-friendly is a selfie. It doesn't want the mirror. No, uh, uh. This is what I look like. The mass media. It's all, everybody's living the, 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 the dream, aren't they? It's phony. Not everybody doesn't have a talk show, a radio show, a TV show, but they live like it. Everybody's not a winner. Wow. And they carry that into the church, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that's not you. Especially if you're young. You've got a long ways to go. 
And life is difficult. You need God. The word is handled in a dishonest way. In dishonorable way too. Without reverence, very casual. One of the key things they brag about is informality. Well, we as Calvary Chapel were informal to an extent, but not irreverent. So they get into a sanctuary and they're listening to the word. Well, they're really not listening to the word of God, but they're there with their coffee and kicking back. And, you know, it's kind of mid-lighting and all that. And are you studying the word of God? Then you, you, you listen to God. You be reverent to the word of God. This is God's word. We're not reading a novel. We're not studying Sophocles or Shakespeare or something like that. God's word. Irreverent. Amazing to me today. Second Timothy 2.16 says, But shun profane in idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Second uh, Timothy 2.16. And Second Timothy 4.3 said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires... Because they have itchy ears, they will heap up teachers for themselves. Second Peter 2 says they will have great followings from within the church. Wow. Second Corinthians 2.17, Paul says, For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, the old King James hucksters, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Wow. The most urgent need in the church today is pastors who are expositors of the word of God. First, Second Timothy, Titus, doctrine, 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 pastoral epistles, how to run the church. Second Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself, approve the God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word to, rightly dividing. It's a military term to cut the braille, to brace the trail like a, like a point man so the army can follow. Wow. Those who believe the word of God is inspired of God, not man, are needed today. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Profitable for doctrine, correction, and instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. The men of old did not speak of their own impulse or origin. But as the Spirit of God carried them along, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 through 21, do you believe that? Or do you believe there's theirs in here? If there are, who's going to tell me? You? We're in deep trouble then. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the words of men, but as it is the truth. First Timothy, First Thessalonians 2.13. The word of God. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching doctrine. Second Timothy 4.2. One of the key characteristics of the emergent church and seeker friendly. Let's not fight about doctrine. No, let's fight about doctrine. You don't have doctrine. You don't have anything. You can brag about your love. You can brag about the things that you're doing for people. You can brag about anything you want. If you ignore doctrine, you are headed for hell. Bottom line. There's no passion in the pulpit today. For God is purity and what he demands. Pastors and leaders receive the greater judgment. Ezekiel says, you're the watchman. Ezekiel, if you don't warn them, their blood's on your hand. Ezekiel 18 and 33, and I will get you for it. 
Paul the Apostle quotes that as he speaks to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, 26 and 27. I am innocent of the blood of any man and all men. I have not shunned to declare the full counsel of God. Wow. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain or money, but eagerly. 1 Peter 5, 2. Shepherds. What's lacking today in American pulpits? Shepherds. We have CEOs. Wow. This was the covenant of God with the priests that abandoned it. Notice thirdly, verse 8 and 9, the condemnation of God, of the priest. In verse 8 there, the prophet uh, Malachi accused the priest of being simple, unfaithful. Boils it down. God accused the priest of turning their back on him. But you have departed from the way. Mark that, the way. This was their own conscious decision. You have departed. You are not forced. Nobody forced you to come to church this morning. You chose to come. Others chose not to come. The word departed simply means to turn aside, to remove oneself from a place where you were at. The idea is that of no longer remaining or abiding where you were before. Every person is a free moral agent and chooses what he or she wants. God does not force anybody to do anything. Not to go to heaven or to go to hell. You decide what happens there. No one else. The place from where they departed was underlined. The way. The word way means the road, the direction, the course of life. The road and life of holiness and devotion to God. The road called the will of God, the ways of God. People don't want to do that. There's all these tantalizing things attracting them. Parents, don't follow your children. If your children are stubborn enough that want to go to hell, don't follow them. You follow God. Too many parents are following their children today. Instead of being an influence to their children. Shame on us. God accused the priests of causing the destruction of many. You have caused many to stumble at the law. The priests were at one time the teachers and scribes of the Torah. Now they trampled it underfoot. And they were they were stumbling blocks, meaning they to stagger or to totter. The idea is of being unstable and unbalanced and able to fall like a top that runs out of speed and starts wobbling to fall. Those who once walked with God now followed their ungodly examples. The priests were sought out at one time to learn how to live. Now they were destroying people by their example of their life. Those who were weak in their faith. Those who were corrupt by their corrupt faith. God holds us responsible, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if your children walk away with God, you stumble them. Because you walk away from God, parents, God will get you. If you're faithful to God, your children walk away. And you remain faithful to God, God's not going to get you. But if your children end up in hell and reject the gospel because you've been a bad example, God will hold you accountable. Absolutely. 
The priests were sought out at one time to learn how to live. Now they were destroying. Terrible. Look at still at eight. God accused the priests of perverting the office of the priests. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi here. The covenant is the priestly covenant that gave them the high privilege to serve as we have seen. What a privilege that you and I get to serve the Lord. What a privilege that we get to sit under God's word to hear and allow the Spirit of God to deal with our hearts and to give us wisdom and strength and direction and compassion and comfort and, and strength, all of that stuff. Seeing the honor of the special clothing at one time, now they loathed it. Dealing with the sacrifices for the atonement of people, exciting. Now it was mere ritual. Understanding the awesome responsibility to God, now they despised the office and detested the service of God. Where are you at now since you walked with God at the beginning? How long has it been? The shine wearing off? We're all looking pretty good? Hmm. The covenant had become ruined by their corrupt lives. The word corrupt there means to spoil, to ruin, to mar. In other words, they had changed the standard and ways of God, but were still attributed it to God. Listen to the emergent church. Listen to the secret friendly. It has a little scripture sprinkled on. I can probably agree with 80% of the stuff they say, or 85. It's the 15% that's going to kill you. I gave you a 12-ounce glass of water. I put one drop of cyanide. And you say, what'd you put in there? I said, oh, don't worry about it. Look at all the water. Wow. God has authority. It's behind every word. Listen, says the Lord of hosts, verse 8. This is the fourth time the title appears here in our text. Verse 2, 4, 7, and 8. The word Lord is the name of God. Who made covenant with Israel. Yahweh the one who delivered them from Egypt. The one who gave them the promised land. The one who sent them back into captivity to Assyria and Babylon. Now they had brought them back. And now they're back in the same place. People don't change do they? There are all these people who are going to reject the gospel. There are going to be people that are going to accept the gospel. And there are going to be people that go back in the world. Wow. The title as we have stated, means the captain of the armies of heaven. This title has a great advantage for them when this captain of the armies of heaven was fighting against their enemies. But a great disadvantage when this captain of the armies of heaven fights against them now, his own people. Wow. 24 times in the book, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts. Listen to the prophet, therefore thus saith, Therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who formed the mountains and created the winds, who declares to man what his thought is and makes the morning darkness, who treads the high place of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. Amos four twelve and 13. This is after God said, I did this, you didn't repent. I did this, you didn't repent. I did this, you didn't repent. He says, now, prepare to meet your God. Now for a hug, judgment. 
This is the Lord God of hosts. The Lord is his memorial. His memorable name. Hosea 12.5. The Lord of hosts. His memorable name. Yahweh. Look at verse 9. The prophet Malachi pronounced the verdict of God over the priests. God had exposed the, reje- uh, the rejection of the priests before all the people. Therefore I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people. Take note of that. The judge and executioner of the verdict is God. I also have made you. The time to repent had passed. The only thing left was punishment for their sins. The consequences of the refusal to repent are two. Made you contemptible and base before all the people. The first deals with how God, uh, how, or how the people viewed uh, and thought about them. The word contemptible means to be despised, disdained. The idea is that of being seen as vile, worthless of any character or trustworthiness. The second deals with how the priests would feel and think about themselves being exposed by God. The word base means lower, humiliated. The idea is since they no longer had the admiration of the people. Hosea the prophet 4.2 says, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priests for me because you have for, uh, forgotten the law of your God. I also will forget your children. Wow. Now, do you think God has changed from, from the Old Testament? Same God. Look at 9 still. God gave two reasons for his executed, executed verdict. They did not live up to the knowledge they had received because you have not kept my ways. The ways of holiness, the way of truth, the way of honoring God. They had compromised their integrity but have shown partiality in the law. The law warned about bribes that they would blind and the, and, and, and the discernment and pervert the words of the righteous and lead to perverting justices and showing partiality, Exodus 23.8, Deuteronomy 16.19, and many others. God deals first and more severely with those in position of knowledge, privilege, power, and authority. You remember back in Genesis? Here's the principle. First time we see judgment. When the fall came, who did it come through? The serpent. Who did God deal with first? The serpent. You'll crawl on your belly all the days of your life, even the millennial kingdom. Second, who the fall come through? Eve. He went to Eve second. And third, the husband followed. So he dealt with Adam third, last. God deals in priorities and severity. According to responsibility and accountability, ladies and gentlemen. You remember Eli and his sons in 1 Samuel 2 and 3. He knew his sons were laying with the women, ripping off the people, everything else. He never confronted them, never stopped them. So God got them both, all three of them. Samuel, sons didn't walk with God. Read the book. But God didn't get Samuel. Why? Because God didn't put him, because Samuel didn't put him in that position. He probably confronted them. Simple. Wow. God doesn't hold you responsible for your children, ladies and gentlemen. He only holds you responsible to preach and hold the line for your children. And that you live that out. The large number of pastors that have become unfaithful to God in our days is astounding. Denying the inerrancy of scripture. 
saying that there's mistakes in it, denying the birth of Jesus Christ, the second coming, denying that we can learn any objective truth from the Bible and we can go on and on and on. Why do you call yourself a pastor? At least they had the good sense. They don't call them churches anymore. They call them campuses. Campus one, campus two. Moron one, moron two. Amazing. God, Jesus didn't say, and I will add to my campuses. I will build my campuses. No, Ecclesia. Church. You embarrassed to say church or what? Spooky little word. People might not come. You chum in the waters. Jaws. Wow. It's tough getting old. Second Timothy 3. 13 through 15 says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things that you have learned and being assured of, knowing from whom you have learned from them and from a childhood. You have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith which is in Christ Jesus. You think it's changed? No, it hasn't. The believer is responsible for stumbling believers and unbelievers. Jesus said it would be better for you if, if you tie a stone mill around your neck and be cast into the sea if you stumble one of these little ones that believes in me. Romans 18.6. Severe. Jesus warned the scribes and the Pharisees, hypocrites, the woes in Matthew 23 for stumbling people, deceiving people. The believer is responsible to remain on the way, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father by me. The first place they were called Christian was at Antioch, Acts eleven twenty six. They used to be called those on the way first. The way, the way to heaven. Jesus, I am the way. Are you on the way? We used to do that in the, in the beginning of the Jesus movement. Honk the horn, they point up. On the way. Jesus told the disciples that night before he was betrayed. Listen carefully, John fifteen four through 6. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. He goes from the illustration to the application. His 12 dirty dozen. Talking to the disciples, okay? He says, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me. Who's his audience? The twelve. He is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. If there is no chance of walking away, why would Jesus even talk about it? He goes from the illustration to the application. People. Branches to people. Who's his audience? Believers. The night Jesus said, one of you will betray me. Every one of them said, is it I? Read the gospel. Is it I, Lord? They all had the, knew they had the potential to betray Jesus Christ. Wow. This was the condemnation of God, of the priest. What an incredible final message he gives in this book. On and on and on. God's proclamation of judgment over the priests. Remember it. The curse of God against the priests. The covenant of God with the priests. The condemnation of God of the priests. 
Maybe you find yourself there. You need to repent. Father, thank you for your love and goodness. Deal with our hearts and cause us to look to you. We pray for those who are listening out there on the radio, Lord, if somewhere in the world, the internet and here, that you would just minister your love to them. They call on your name to be saved. If you're here, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God has called you to be saved. Simple prayer. Right where you sit, you can accept him right now by grace through faith. And he's going to forgive you. This is your prayer to him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. And baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.